My name is Anandyai Conte. I am the CEO and founder of Dare to Dream Financial Planning. And I think tomorrow will be abundant and full of promise. I really am optimistic about the world. Um, I'm really optimistic about America too and my own life. And so I think there's nothing but good things coming. Welcome, everybody, to the Live from Tomorrow podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hooper. Each week, we weave together guest interviews with comedic segments to bring tomorrow vividly to life, offering a bold, humorous perspective on what's next across business, technology, politics, and entertainment. All right, that sounded pretty good, but how does this... Oh, good, it's turning back on. Vanessa, voice note. I, Matt Hooper, hereby bequeath... Matt, the tour's about to start. I know, Sally, but I'm trying to get this done so we could send it to the attorney. Vanessa, label this my last will and test. It must not have good service out here. I haven't even had my coffee yet, and he's writing his will. Honey, everybody is uploading their wills now using the Vanessa Virtual Assistant. She's this totally secure AI app. Vanessa is a very stupid name for a virtual assistant. Well, uh, it's not about the name. It's about efficiently allocating assets post-life. Post-life? Hang on. Vanessa... Voice note, I, Matt Hooper, hereby bequeath... You're being morbid. I am being proactive. Oi, not bequeath, bequeath, Vanessa. Matt, the sun's about to rise and they're going to start the tour, so can you please put your phone away and stop talking about death? I'm sorry, I just... You know this stuff stresses me out. It's hard for me to plan. What will we leave our children if we have any? If? When. I mean, I said when. In my head. In my head, I said when. I think you're getting anxious over nothing. Okay, why is writing a will suddenly so important? Why can't it wait a couple hours? Are you scared that- That we're out in public? No, of course not. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm all right. I'm not anxious. We're wearing masks. There's hardly anybody out here at this hour. And the transmission rate here in Connecticut has stayed fairly low. So I'm fine. I'm good. I'm all right. I'm not anxious. Excuse me. Gah! No mask. He's not wearing a mask on his face. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. But there is six feet of distance between us right now. I promise. No need to be anxious. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm all right. I'm not anxious. My name's Ernie Classic. I'm a financial planner. And uh, since it's just the three of us out here, I couldn't help but overhear part of your conversation. You know, and it's, look, I just want to say it's nice to meet young, successful people with many decades of asset accrual ahead of them. Mm, nice to meet you too, Ernie. I'm Sally. This is Matt. Have you been on this tour before? Oh, many times. Yeah, my wife Lucille is one of the hosts, so... Hey, hey, here she comes. Ooh. Gather ye round, fair townspeople, for the tour is about to begin. <sighs> Isn't she great? Yeah, she just took an acting masterclass on Facebook with Rob Schneider. Can you believe it? Vanessa, remind me later, start drafting Sally's will, too. Shh! Okay, gosh. You know, Matt, I, look, I get how important it is to start thinking about what you want to leave behind, Okay. But uh, in my professional opinion, it's worth figuring out how you can build value in the here and now, too. Oh, well, thank you. But I'm not looking for a financial planner at the moment, Mr. Classic. <laughs> oh, please, call me Ernie. Mr. Classic was my father, and his unusual first name was a point of pride. Oh, it's starting. Welcome, one and all, to this most historic of locations. For it was here, on the coast of Redbrook, Connecticut, that 2,000 British troops arrived in the spring of 1777 before marching into one of the bloodiest battles of the Revolution, the Battle of Ridgefield. Isn't Bowen's doing great? That's our roommate. Ooh. Now, I must warn ye travelers. Oh, hi, Sally. Hi, Matt. Hi! Oh, he looks so cute, doesn't he? Reminds me why I had a thing for Johnny Tremaine in middle school. 
the sacrifices they made, you know? It's just just a bunch of colonial rebels. It's <laughs> The British did technically win this battle. But it stirred the spirits of patriots all across Connecticut. And now we shall show ye a cannon most awesome. Come along. Ooh, I love this part of the tour. I bet you guys were wondering why there was a cannon on the beach, huh? Well, yeah, we were, but... We've only actually been out here a couple times since we moved from New York. To be fair, we moved about eight months before a pandemic, Sally. Yeah, right, which is even more strange that we didn't spend all summer at the beach because Matt's obsessed with death. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say obsessed? Hey, that's... Well, this is is a scary time, Matt. There's a lot to be anxious about. Yeah, plus there's a lot of kids at the beach, and that's a big no-no with my husband, so... Sally, You know what? I'm just going to go walk a little ahead of you guys. Is everything all right? Yeah, fine. I just want to learn about life in the 17th Light Dragoons, led by General Sir William Erskine and James Agnew. That's all. I'll see you later. That is one hell of a partner you got there, Matt. She does pay close attention on American history tours. Now look, Matt, I don't want to poke my nose where no one's asking for a nose poke, okay? But did you maybe say something a little out of line this morning, huh? Or doth the lady protest too much? No, I don't think... I mean, yes, I've been using this new voice assistant to draft my will, so she doesn't protest, but she also doesn't know what she's talking about. For crying out loud, it's part of my job to try out new technologies. I host a podcast that focuses on tomorrow. It's in the title of the show. Sure, podcast. Okay, so in this will you draft, and what are you giving away exactly? Look, I mean, I'm a little familiar with the podcast industry, so you must make, what, 60 buttons a year? 200 paperclips? Or are you paid in, like, uh, t-shirts? I make money, Ernie. Okay, well, mazel. Now, let me ask you this. In this piggy bank where you keep your lifetime podcast earnings, do you oh, Sally and I also have been talking about kids lately, and I kind of, I sort of implied that I wasn't maybe really serious about it. Of course. You said if we have children, not when. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, don't worry, pal. Look, that's the thing about marriage, you know? Something, something, something wise. Something helpful that implies I've been where you are. Something sort of funny, followed by something sort of bittersweet. Something that makes you wonder if I'm secretly a misogynist. And then a laugh and a sports reference. Ernie, were you saying anything just now? Nope, nope, not a thing, Matt. I was merely providing the outline of something to say. It's your job to fill it in. I... What? It's like I tell all my clients. You have to take charge of your own future. You must heed the call of destiny. Just like the patriots who fought against King George's men on those shores 243 years ago. Okay. You have every right to be anxious. But you can also take charge, Matt, and build the tomorrow you want to have. Don't think about death. Think about life. Don't yell into your phone dictating your will. Go start a family. And call my office on Monday. Seriously, here's my card. Thank you. But uh, I'm okay. Really, Sally and I are planning for our own... Yeah, I heard you. (laughs) Post-life. Come on, pal. It's like I said. You can build value in the here and now, too. Lay a nest egg with me, my guy. I... You know, the Patriots thought they had it all figured out, too, Matt. Hell, one year before the British landed at this beach, the Second Continental Congress gathered in Philadelphia to draft the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) And still they lost this battle. And so many more. And the war wouldn't end until 1783. Every time you think momentum's on your side or that you've cracked the code or that you've had some kind of breakthrough, boom! The tide can turn against you. And it can all wash away.
Planning one's financial future always comes with a certain amount of anxiety. But there's also something very American about it, too, that it is possible to build equity, build real wealth for a future full of promise, even for folks my age who entered the workforce in the late 2000s in a recession and are now struggling through a depression. But financial planning, and America for that matter, are complicated, to say the least. And to get to the bottom of this, I did what we always do in this part of the show. I reached out to an expert. Welcome, everybody, uh, to a very exciting conversation. My interview today with Anna Njai Conti, the founder and CEO of Dare to Dream Financial Planning. Anna, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so grateful to be here. We've known each other a good long time. Spoiler, we we uh, we went to college together. You've been a part of uh, just, and I know this because we we experienced this in parallel, a very difficult story, right? The story of our generation graduating into a recession, uh, never quite uh, getting our sea legs under us. So I definitely want to get into that. And, uh, and I think a way into that is to understand what you get to do all day long, right? Like how do you actually spend your time in your business? Who are your clients? And have you found that they are also uh, part of the millennial generation, also part of our generation that has suffered from seemingly economic setback after economic setback for over a decade now? Yeah. um, Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I'm really excited about this. But um, I am the CEO and founder of Dear Dream Financial Planning. So I run a fee-only financial planning firm and we do some investment management as well. And I really spend most of my time working with clients one-on-one to create a solid financial foundation for themselves and a financial plan for them and maybe their children and their families to help them achieve whatever goals that, um, that they're trying to achieve in their life. Um, it's more than just, you know, investments or strategies. It's also looking at how they can use money, which is a tool to achieve the life of their dreams, which is uh, why I named my, my firm Dare to Dream. What what sparked the transition? So you jump into the world of financial planning, or was our wealth management, uh, but you must be seeing like very different sizes and scales of portfolios among a client base. Like I would I, maybe this is just my own insecurity speaking, but I know that if I were suddenly tasked with helping a client manage fifty million dollars and I was struggling to uh, hold on to and and uh, uh, build value upon my fifty thousand dollars, I don't know that that would have been my opportunity to be like, oh yeah, it's just a tool. What, what gave you the kind of confidence to uh, to recognize that as you were as you were managing? Uh, you know, large, larger and larger sums of money. Yeah, um, I hear you there. I think when I first started, I was like, what? I, I had a client who had like $250 million and I like mind was blown at how one human being could own that, have that much money. But anyway, I- Sure, and, and as you said, and as you said elsewhere, I think it's like, and they weren't famous. Yeah, no, he was just a regular like, dude. Yeah, it was just like a person. Yeah, yeah. He rode the Bolt <laughs> bus. Just, he used to ride, he used to live in Boston and we worked in New York and he used to ride the Bolt bus whenever he would come from meetings. So- <laughs> It's just a regular dude on the bolt bus, and and clearly good at saving money. And now we now we learned how he had two hundred fifty million dollars because he rode the bolt bus. He was not- yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I think I think for my personal journey with money, it was I did a lot of mindset work around it. And one thing I work with my clients about is understanding the way you think about money and your past experiences with money really shape how you behave now. And I think my industry talks a lot about like, are you buying options? Are you, did you buy Tesla on the dip? That all that stuff is important in terms of finding an investment strategy and, and investing wisely and unemotionally. But the reality is 
the key to success is your behavior and your financial behavior. And without understanding your money story, it's not like, and your relationship to money, it's not accessible for you to really, I think, consistently achieve a lot of financial progress. So how do you encourage your clients to be future focused when so much of the anxiety about money is tied up in the present, right? And sort of weighted down by the past, by how you grew up with money? Yeah, totally. Um, That's a really good question. I think asking them to come up with their ideal life, right? And tell me what, what would make them thrilled to say they would have done in five or 10 or 20 years, whatever it may be. And from there looking at, okay, what's it actually going to take from a dollars and cents standpoint to get there? Cause I think a lot of people have anxiety around money and it's oftentimes drawn from like this uh, emotional uninformed place. So they haven't looked at where their money is. They haven't actually run any projections. And the reality is you don't have to work with a financial planner. You could just look online, a lot of, um, you know, Fidelity and Schwab and all of these online investment firms, or even they're just on free online calculators that will allow you to calculate these things like, okay, I want to pay for my kid's college in 15 years. I want to, you know, uh, be able to buy a new house in 10 years. I want to be able to retire when I'm 60 or whatever. Um, you can run those calculators and once you're informed then you can make better decisions and at least know that, okay, if I put this amount of money aside for that goal, I'll be able to achieve it. Your first clients, um, fit into a, uh, a customer segment that I think has historically been prevented from having access. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, totally. So I work with uh, millennial women of color primarily. Um, and we all know that black and brown folks are the ones that are mo- overwhelmingly essential workers, whether that be nurses or nurses assistants or working in grocery stores, what have you. Um, and so I think they not necessarily my clients because my clients are fairly like upper middle class, but I would say that they know the realities of that. And so they are more financially conservative, I think, and also really hungry and thirsty for knowledge around how to get above and beyond that and really insulate themselves from having to slide back to that. Right. And, and black and brown and black and brown women. Yeah. I mean, is it, it, yeah. it, like, like you're, you're doubling down on providing an essential service for those customers that the U.S. government has historically either overlooked or intentionally ignored. Totally. And I think if, you know, there's that James Baldwin quote that's like, to be a black man in America and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage all the time. And so I think that, not that they're, my clients are raging. I know I'm raging. I'm, I'm raging all the time. But um, Right. Well, that's, that's, that's for a separate podcast. When we do the live from tomorrow therapy edition, you and I will get into the, get into the rage. I'll just be screaming the whole time. Um, anyway, but I think that my clients are acutely aware and they don't have the luxury of not being aware that the government doesn't have their back and society doesn't have their back. So they're like, I have to have my own back, which I 1000% support. And that's really why I chose to work with the segment of people that I chose to work with, because I see people in my family, people I grew up around, uh, really not have that security and really be at the mercy of life for years. And I don't, and I want to contribute to more people not having that issue. I want to come back to that because not having that issue means not having anxiety, which seems to be a theme that, that emerges here, which I love, mm-hmm. uh, mostly cause I'm, I, I I'm anxious right now. You know, I'm bothered by a cool breeze. It, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot. But something that interests me as I was doing more research into how, how you were building this business, uh, you and I are both first generation Americans. And so our yeah. view of America 
uh, I think is, is very different from those who have just a longer American story, whatever that might mean. Uh, mm -hmm. You were born here as sort of the first in line to, to be American, yeah. right? So like yeah. you're both sort of stuck with it, right? This is where you're at. And also uh, acutely aware of, how, of, of America's role in the world, right? So, so what is your relationship to America right now in business and in life? Oh, well, in business, I think I'm very grateful that America is an easy place to grow business. It's a capitalist society, so it makes it easier for me to, you know, launch a business, grow my business, be financially prosperous. So on that tip, I am very grateful. I think I my relationship to America and Americanness on a personal level is very fraught. Um, I think prior to 2016, I, I didn't really think about my Americanness as much as I do now. And, yeah. you know, I think I, I, just to be real, I, but I probably spent a good 48 hours after 2016 crying. I, I spent a good two days after the election in tears and looking at everybody like, did you vote for this crazy person? Um, did you vote for this horrible person? And really it made me question whether I belonged in America um, because I just felt like, you know, I'm black, I'm, I'm first generation, I'm Latina, I, my husband's Muslim, my kids are Muslim. So do I belong here? Like, am I welcome here? And uh, is this just a real wholesale rejection of me and who I am, you know? And that was really hard. It, it, it was pretty clear that uh, lines were drawn, yeah, right? I mean, like it, there was sort of an attack on the idea of a more inclusive America from the very beginning of the current president's campaign. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated because you and I have both often said like, well, these are political discussions. And yet I actually feel with every passing day that these are essential and moral questions and discussions. Like, I don't know that they're political. I think they just happen to be... Uh, conversations and include elected politicians, yeah. if that makes sense. Totally, totally. And I think, you know, from my perspective, it really lit a fire in me to say, no, I am actually American. And so I am not going to let you get away with this. I'm going to stick here with my, you know, Spanish speaking, unapologetically embodied, embodying my identity, and you're going to have to deal with it. And it radicalized me, basically. <laughs> what moves me the most about Anna's story is that the radicalization she's talking about is a realization. A full realization of who she wanted to be and what she wanted to build. In her quest to answer the question, who is an American, she proudly answered, well, I am. And you can hear that in her introduction right at the top of the show, where she expressed optimism about our future and about America, too. Goodness knows that I've been feeling quite anxious about America these last few years, about my Americanness as well. I think an awful lot of us have. But what if we could eliminate that anxiety? And through the work Anna is doing with her clients, she's doing just that, helping to eliminate the inherent anxiety that comes with financial planning. So maybe you're like me and you'd like to uh, lay a nest egg but don't know how. So you're thinking about your future in America? Well, let's first ask ourselves, what might that future look like? Let's say in, I don't know, 12 years from now, when we're in the future, when I have a family of my own, what will life look like in the year 2032? What time does the tour start? 
Nine o'clock? Dad, hurry! I am hurrying. But when I was your age, we drove on highways, sweetie. We didn't have hover cars. And so it's a little... Whoa! Did you see that guy? He came flying out of nowhere. That's what a hover car does, Dad. It flies. No blinker. Unbelievable. Hey, Moana, do you have your permission slip? I uploaded it to my temporal lobe last night, so I wouldn't forget. What? You can't neurotech alone. You're a minor. Mom was with me. Oh. Nice, Sally. Digitizing their brains before middle school, and we haven't even had that conversation yet. <clears throat> Duchovny, what about you, buddy? Excited for the field trip? Robot, robot, robot. Hey, that's a great impression of a robot, son. Really committed, very method. I like it. You have to address him as Gigatron, Dad. That's his favorite actor. Gigatron's not an actor. Robert De Niro's an actor. Robert De Niro's a hologram. Well, he wasn't always. I. Sometimes I worry about you kids growing up in a world without human role models. You... What? Robot. I worry about... No, no, what does that word mean? Worry. Oh, right, it, uh... Never mind. Hey, we're here, that's the museum. Welcome, teachers and students, to the Museum of American Anxiety. Founded in 2029, this is the only institution devoted to preserving and explaining that most uncomfortable human emotion, one which our species totally eradicated by the middle of the last decade. Anxiety. Hi. Sorry we're late. I'm Matt Hooper. I'm one of the chaperones. Robot. Oh, it is all good, Mr. Hooper. This is, like so much of modern life, an anxiety-free zone. Right. Well, thank you. Oh, and uh, these are my kids, Moana and Duchovny. Dad, you're embarrassing me. I'm Moana H when I'm in school. Huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, hi, Moana K. Hi, Moana G. Hey. As I was saying, once we figured out how to upload our anxiety to the cloud, thus removing any limits on human potential, we have known nearly ten years of extraordinary progress, from hover cars and floating superhighways to solar-powered train travel to the curing of all known diseases. Now, if you'll follow me, we can begin the tour, starting with our first exhibit, Early American Panic. I'll see you later, Dad. Okay. Uh, do you need any money for lunch, or...? Dad, I'm fine. Yep, you're... I get it. But in case you change your mind, I'll I'll be here. All day. Moana H? To company? Remember when I used to perform in tours about early America? Bowens? I, I had no idea you were chaperoning this trip, too. Well, Bowens Jr. has always been curious about anxiety, ever since we took him with us to volunteer at a therapy shelter last year. Mm, you know, I've been so impressed with the work you do helping ex-therapists get back on their feet. So many shrinks lost their jobs in the great anxiety upload. It's tragic. I saw one outside just now in the hover parking lot. Looking for a little help, thank you. Looking to make a positive change in my life and start a new private practice. How do you feel about that? We need to find a place within you to explore some of these feelings. Anything helps, thank you. Have you uploaded all your anxiety yet, Matt? I, well, no, not yet. So you still have anxiety? Only a little. I mean, losing all that money in the acorn scam of 2026 certainly didn't help me get rid of any anxiety, let me tell you. Why did you do that again? Because I panicked and thought we were headed for a forest economy, okay? You remember the mid-twenties. Now, if I can draw your attention to this first piece, you will likely recognize the man in the diorama as Paul Revere, an 18th century Massachusetts silversmith. As soon as there was no more anxiety, things were just go, go, go. And I didn't... I didn't plan ahead. I never built a nest egg. If you press this button right here, you'll be able to hear a carefully reconstructed version of Paul Revere's infamous ride, created by our in-house team of audio experts and historians. 
This is perhaps the most famous glimpse of colonial anxiety on record. Holy shit, the British are coming! Everyone fucking run, man! Arm yourselves, they're here, what the fuck? I'm a relic in this new world. I still have my anxiety and I never built a sustainable roadmap for my family's future. I mean, I thought a lot about my will because Sally was right, I can be a little morbid. But I never dreamt big. I never gave myself the room to dream big. You never consulted a financial planner? It's 2032, Matt. CFPs are also licensed to upload your anxiety for you. I know, but I've been... I've been too embarrassed, Bowens, by my lack of practical planning. I've been burned before. I don't want to... So you're anxious about anxiety? Yes. I... That's a little ridiculous, isn't it? Oh, and if you look to your left, you will find animatronic versions of more recent examples of American panic from the year 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Karen and her husband, Ken. I'll wear a mask over my dead body. Praise Q. Oh, I'll wear a mask over my dead body. Praise Q. Matt, it sounds like you might want to take charge of your financial future. It's never too late to start. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess... All right, everybody, we're moving on to our next exhibit, all about the Second Great Awakening. In the early 19th century, a wave of reform movements and religious revivals swept the nation in response to panic over changing socio-political events, proving that since the very beginning, Americans have been crapping in their pantaloons. Kids won't ever know anxiety in their lives. They won't make the same mistakes I did. I should have planned better for them. I should have dared to dream. Instead, I bet on acorns. Used to be that money fills were green. And here on earth, trading hands and making deals all safe and sound. So I thought I'd place a bet on something mightier than money. Little acorns stacked up high above the ground. Never too late to start. Hey, Duchovny, I mean, Gigatron, 
Tell your sister I need to step out for a minute and make a call. Daddy's uploading his anxiety to the cloud. Robot, robot. Yeah, robot, buddy. Robot. In the home is anxiety. We've all got some propriety. Surly cosmic lifeguard in a sociopathic backstroke everlast. But now that meat's all done and through, the pool is still and smooth. Now we pop up under the bleachers for a store. And yet there's more. We gotta build an estate. Keeps grounded up the breadcrumbs. Now, I'm not sure the future will necessarily have hover cars, but I can definitely imagine a less anxious world. A world where visionaries like Anna have guided so many folks to plan wisely and alleviate their worries. To build wealth and, yes, to dream big. Life is stressful enough, right? Why continue to limit ourselves? Let's confront the things that make us anxious. Let's plan, 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 and give ourselves a fighting chance. Hey, can I come in? Sure, I'm just finishing up recording. I'm sorry about this morning, Matt. On the beach, I was... Nope. Please, Sally, it's my fault. I've been thinking about it all day, particularly in light of my conversation with Anna. We, we should make a financial plan. A real plan. One that has to do with the life we want to live. Not just, like, me using some voice assistant to draft our wills. <laughs> it will take away so much anxiety. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think that's a good idea. And uh, in the future, I was just imagining, it is safe to say that not only is anxiety a thing of the past, but uh, we also have a couple of kids. Well, <laughs> well, funny you should mention that. This afternoon, I was thinking about how important it is for you to try out new technologies for work. Right. And I signed us up for this AI toddler program. You, what? Yeah, we're on the list of alpha users. It's super top secret and new, but I thought it might give us a little taste of parenthood. Robot, robot. Oh, here he comes now. And see, he's found one of the muskets Bones uses on the Battle of Ridgefield tour. Sally, get down. Oh my god. Stop it, AI toddler. You won't listen to reason, Sally. Keep your head down and run. Robot, robot. Uh, don't worry, we have a warranty. Oh, good. All right, let me try to recap this again with uh, no AI toddler this time. The future is something worth planning for. That much I know. And knowing how to manage money is a big, big part of that plan. So will we ever reach an anxiety-free future? Tomorrow has yet to be decided. Anything is still possible. Anna and Jai Conte, I'm going to ask you the question we like to ask every one of our guests at the end of each episode. What are two tips you have for tomorrow? So I think... 
looking after yourself in every way that that means uh, is going to be really important. So looking after your health, your wellness, your mental strength, your, your mental health, uh, but also looking after your money, right? And making sure your, your money is right and your money is together really allows you to do all of those other things without with less anxiety and less stress. And I think the second thing is to really dream big and aim for the stars and allow yourself to dream big. I think we, we oftentimes like put the brakes on ourselves. And at the same time, while you're doing that, giving yourself the grace of maybe you're not always going to hit that, but being gentle with yourself in that process, I think is really important. All right, folks, that wraps up our time together for today. I want to thank our guest, Anna and Jai Conte, our incredible cast, Max Azule, Kelly Quinn, Anne Veal, and Matthew Walters-Bowens, our brilliant composer and songwriter, Ben Easton. The original song in this episode is called Museum Daydream, the nest egg song. Music and lyrics by Ben Easton and performed by the Academy Blues Project, whose members include Ben Easton, Mark Levy, Jim Bloom, and Trevor Brown. I am your writer and host, Matt Hooper. And one more thank you before I go. Thank you to all of you, our listeners, for hanging with us. I'll catch you all next week. Thanks, folks.